0: hello this is father Larry Richards welcome today is the 15th of December and you are watching uh, anchored in hope and today the first thing we're gonna do is pray in the the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit amen great God of love and mercy and all hope we ask you to give us knowledge and Give us a heart that seeks hope, built on faith. Help us to always do your will. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we may speak your word, that we may live your will, that we may do as you command. We beg you these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good St. Joseph, pray for us. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Man, Well, today we are here. I have um, dinner with the bishop right after here with seminarians and that tonight. And then we have the sermon. Um, I've had a busy day so far and uh, just trying to get focused, you know, <laughs> I even came early. So I get focused. Uh, I'm still not focused, but that's okay. And so we wanna welcome everybody to be with us uh, this day, this Thursday, December 15th. And Advent is the season of hope. And so, and this is called Anchored in Hope, and my foundation, which I founded, is called The Reason for Our Hope. And so I I thought it would be a great idea to focus on hope this day. Um, Next week we'll focus uh, on Christmas and, what the incarnation means and everything else since we'll be so, so close to Christmas. But this week, I'm gonna talk about hope. And of course, my foundation is founded on 1 Peter 3.15. And if you go to 1 Peter 3.15, those of you who have your Bibles, and I'm sure you all do, you have them all out, uh, so you can be walking with me in the Word, but here in one Peter, it's towards the back of the Bible, 1 Peter chapter three, verse 15, it says, "Venerate the Lord that is Christ in your hearts, and should a- anyone ask you for the reason for this hope, be ever ready to reply." So yeah, that's the older translation, the other always be, and it comes down to always be ready to give the reason for your hope. Now, I think it's important to focus on what hope is, and especially uh, Christian hope. You know, the catechism uh, only has about three paragraphs on it, or maybe even two, if I remember correctly. Uh, One, two, three, and it's mentioned in the fourth, no, I'm sorry, it goes uh, one, two, three. There's five paragraphs on the theological virtue of hope. Of course, the the three theological virtues is faith, hope, and love. And according to St. Paul, the greatest of these is love. Because uh, love, once it happens, there's that true union there. And again, I went and did some just simple research for... uh, like it says the, 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 in the Old Testament, there's two words that represent hope, and I don't speak it well, either of them. So one is yachel, uh, which means to wait and be patient. And the second Hebrew word is quava, which is a cord of attachment. And it's uh, 48 times in the Old Testament, and then in the New Testament in the Greek, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was in Greek, it's elpis. And uh, elpis means expectation, trust, confidence. And in the New Testament, um, we see that, so we're 50 times in the New Testament. So 129 times the word hope, by the time everything comes down to it, is used in both the Old and New Testament. I know, um, you know, hope, again, is something that's always built on faith faith has to do with the present and has to do with the past but hope has to do with the future and hope you can't have hope without faith hope is built on faith so it's the faith that you know that someone tells you that uh, jesus rose from the dead and you go yes he rose from the dead you believe that it's a past event, but again, no. This can also be that Jesus Christ is alive today, and so I can have a, a experience with Him. And, and talk. We talk about uh, many times how we need faith for the sacraments to work, the the faith that believes in what God said, and um, so that's where faith focuses on the past and the present, but hope focuses on the future, and hope. It's much more than, oh, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. It's not wishful thinking. Oh, please. Uh, Especially Christian hope. But I think too many people get the two confused. We just uh, think, oh, I hope it doesn't rain. I hope I'm not sick. I'm hope, I hope, I hope. Um, That's wishful thinking. That's not the theological virtue of hope. Hope is the firm trust that what God said will come to be. That's why Advent is such a time of hope. Remember when Mary, who is pregnant, and she comes to Jesus. I mean, she comes to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who believed that the words of the Lord would be fulfilled. So, that first she believed it, that God is going to be true to his word and then she had this hope in the future that jesus who is hope would be born of her so faith was her yes to the will of god and this hope is that he is going to fulfill what he has said and so we need to be people of hope and not hopeful thinking but hope that when jesus says we are going to live forever we are going to live forever so it's that expectation that of course There's life after death. Of course, Christ is faithful to us. Of course, God, the Father who sent Jesus upon us will be uh, and take care of us forever. And so this hope should always bring us perseverance when we're suffering. It should bring us joy in the midst of sorrow. It's the light that pierces the darkness that we need to be people of hope. And this hope will always lead us into this intimacy of love. Because when we are finally in heaven, we no longer have to believe. It's a done deal. And we no longer have to hope because hope has been fulfilled and are living with God forever. So the thing that then lasts is this love. And so faith leads to hope, leads to Love. So a person who is hope-filled is always a person of love. And again, love being a person who uh, does the best for others, does everything to get people into heaven. Again, sometimes we think of hopeful people as they're just, uh, um, you know, la-la type people who are optimists. We're much more than optimists. We are convinced God is true to his word and God will be faithful and fulfill his promises and so those are the things that we got to be focused on and again we can look at some of the people in uh, if you read Romans Romans is so filled with hope it's 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 crazy <laughs> you know uh, Romans 8:24 I just love. Romans has, seems like, more hope in it than any other thing. And I encourage you, you know, what I constantly try to get people to do is spend more time with the Bible. And again, this is my Bible. It's got to be completely falling apart. You know, it's Galatians here and Psalms here. And, you know, it's all put together with tape. Um, But it's the one I've used all my life. Well, since I was in uh, college And it's the one I always go back to. And so if we go back to Romans, and it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Do-do-do-do-do, Romans 8. And we all know the traditional Romans 8.28, huh? Romans 8.28, you should have that memorized. If you don't, that's a great one to memorize. It says in Romans 8.28 that... We know that God makes all things work together for good to those who love him and are called by his decrees. So just that very sentence is a sentence of faith in the past that God is faithful and hope in the future that God will make all things good. Again, as I've talked about, not for everyone, huh? The promise isn't for everyone. The promise is for those who love him and have called been called by his decrees. That means you have surrendered your life to him. Because if God makes everything work together for everybody, that means he's forcing himself on people. And that's, again, not who God is. But when we love him and we surrender our life to him, then he promises that all things will work together in our lives. And how important that is for us to cling to. But again, we go... Uh, a little bit earlier than that. uh, And here in uh, 24, it says, in hope we were saved. But hope is not hope if the object is seen. How is it possible for one to hope in what he sees? And hoping for what we cannot see means awaiting it in patient endurance. So we have to be people who just hope in Jesus and Again, just hoping, another word for hope, again, it can be translated into Greek, as we already talked about, is this trust. You know, the, uh, the story that when I heard in seminary, I was just like, and there was a kid that was on a, um, a, uh, on a boat, and it was in the middle of a storm, and everybody's going crazy, and his kids just sound asleep there, and are just very peaceful, and they said to him, aren't you afraid? And he goes, no, why aren't you afraid? Because my dad's the captain, huh? And so Jesus, when he could uh, sleep in the boat when the boat was, uh, was crazy and going crazy and he's asleep, he knew what he could do. He had faith in what he could do, but he also knew the outcome of everything. And again, I talk about it a lot in my homilies, but people that go around crazy People that go and get involved in all the things on the Internet and have to comment about everything on the Internet and have to go and uh, have to constantly be um, making comments and thinking they're right. And I know in my parish there are people that do this to completely drive me insane. And there's many times I've told them, don't do it, they have to do it. And it's—they uh, think it's for other things, but it's one hundred percent ego, one hundred percent vanity, one hundred percent pride. Because we already know the end of all this. We already know that you know when things are going crazy and there's wars and rumors of wars and we're going to bomb each other. Well, so be it. We get to go to heaven. huh? That's the point. That if we are people that are based in faith and we're living in hope that even though we can't see the future, we know who holds the future and we trust. And we need to be people who bring that hope to others, not just fight with them, debate with them, try to prove them wrong. And again, most of my priesthood has been fighting with people, debating at people, uh, doing, uh, trying to prove people wrong. It's an apologist. Apologists like to do that. I am not an apologist. I am an evangelist. And an evangelist just wants to bring people into intimacy with Jesus so they can live forever. Apologists want to prove everybody wrong and we're the right ones and we'll show you how we're right and you're wrong. And it's not just that. I think the ideal thing is an apologist who's also an evangelist first and then they explain what they believe. We need many of those. But apologists that aren't evangelists, no, I don't, uh, you know. To me, we are wasting time. We should be bringing people to Jesus Christ not arguing about other things. And again, um, that's in nowadays. And again, when I was younger, I used to do that all the time. But as I get older, I'm just thinking, life is too short for all these people to die without salvation. And that I gotta do everything in my power to bring people to salvation and give them hope so that when they're dying, they're not afraid, but they're hope-filled. Hope is that thing that just, you know, you don't have to be afraid of anything when you're truly a hope-filled person. And that's what Advent keeps reminding us, that we need to be people filled with hope. And uh, so again, don't get caught up in all the stuff that's happening on the internet. Don't fight with people, especially other Catholics. Please don't do that. Life's too short if we... Focused on bringing people to Jesus instead of proving people that they're wrong. Think of how many more people would populate heaven. Isn't that what you want? It's what God wants. And again, Paul wasn't a great apologist, but he was an evangelist first. He built on what other people already believed. He didn't just destroy it. Now, sometimes he got into fights with the uh, <laughs> the Jews, but he was trying to bring them hope and they were trying to hold on to tradition. And he says, uh, you got to go beyond that. You got to be looking at God. And, you know, last night, by God's grace, I heard confessions for two hours. And all the, the parishes in the city of Erie, we have these, we'll leave the lights on for you, huh? once, uh, Twice a year, once during Advent and once during uh, Lent. And so we all hear confessions for two hours. So all the church doors are open for two hours, and there's a priest in the churches hearing confessions. And again, so many people that would come to me, and, you know, some people hadn't been in confession in 18 years, which for me it makes all the difference uh, to then be able to give them hope. But my biggest thing was to tell people that, you know, too many Catholics, and not just Catholics, but that's what I know, so that's what we'll talk about, Um uh, are just based on culturalism, meaning that this is what I was taught and this is what I will do. Instead of this living hope that God is in control and they just know it. You know, that it's, 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 a, it's a God-focused life instead of a self-focused life. It's a God-focused life that looks to the future and trusts in the present and trusts in the past, but doesn't live in the past, doesn't cling to the past that God's always moving us on. Hope is a future-looking virtue. You uh, hope, we just keep going forward. It's always looking ahead. It doesn't get caught up into the past. So for your own self, think about, are you a person of hope? Do you focus on Jesus and his promises of the future to you? Do you focus on yourself and your past? Or just what you've been taught. Again, you can follow all the commandments, every single one of them. You can abide by every law of the church, and still be an atheist. Right? You can do all these things, but what you're called to be, and what I'm called to be, is in a living, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And again, in our personalities, you know, too often people want us to uh, to be la la when we come to Jesus. I don't want to be la-la. If the Lord wants me to be Lala, then I'll be Lala. But I'm telling you, he hasn't called me to that in my prayer or anything else. Um, I got to be reminded when I can go overboard, you know, like right in my, at this very moment in my uh, confessional, I have on the wall above where a person would sit, so they don't see it, but I see it. And it says, be kind or be quiet, you know? So uh, I got to be reminded of that because my personality isn't just naturally that way, huh? but uh, I can work at it, but the purpose of it, I could sit there and spend my whole life being like, oh, I'm not kind enough, I'm not gentle enough, I'm not like this priest or that priest or this saint or that saint, and get just wallow in myself and just stay focused on myself, or I can look at Jesus and say, Jesus, this is me without you and keep focusing on Jesus. Again, hope always focuses on Christ, huh? And the devil loves to come into our lives and come into our uh, experiences and says, nothing but Jesus, anything anything but Jesus, anything but Jesus, anything but Jesus. And he tries to get, us look at here, the past, tradition, all this stuff. And again, that stuff in itself is not bad. But when God is in front of us and we're looking at everything else and Jesus says, ah, would you look at me? And you go, why do I keep forgetting Jesus? Why do I keep forgetting to look to you and to the future and not get caught up in fighting about the past and fighting about practices, but be hoping that everyone would come to the knowledge of Jesus? And I always hope that's my prayer. The reason we started the foundation. And we talk about the reason for our hope. Um, Again, if you ever look at our symbol, and you can go on our website and see the symbol. But just to explain to you just a little bit, you know, so here it talks about the reason for our hope. And when you look at that, the, um, the colors are a little bit different here. But it's the reason for our hope. And then the reason for our hope is the very center here, and it's I-H-S. And I-H-S is the word Jesus. And so Jesus is the reason for our hope. And then here, our hope is based on the cross. So there's the cross there in the center jesus the faith so when we have faith it's grounded in jesus it's just not faith in a person i mean it is faith in a person but uh theological i mean uh, the god man of jesus christ but it's not just faith in um teachings everything else it's a person jesus so i have faith in the person of jesus and when i have faith this faith creates in me hope the anchor, that I can always trust God's word, I can always trust in the future, huh? And then in the center is the red, and that means we are uh, saved by the blood of the lamb. And then on the outside is the gold circle, if you look at it in Cower, and that means we will live forever. So the whole purpose is that we will live forever. Why? Because of the person of Jesus. How does that happen when we have faith in him, when we have surrendered our life to him? Then we have this hope forever. And so it's such a, it's such a glorious thing. And so when I started a foundation to bring the world to Jesus, you know, um, and again, I, I believe it won't all happen in my lifetime, of course, but I had a buddy who called yesterday and he says, well, in 30 years, none of us are going to worry about this. I said, what do you mean in 30 years? Going to? He says, you're going to be 63, 30 years, be 93. I don't think so. I think you're going to be dead by then. I go, well, I have more hope than that. <laughs> but I also hope that God can take me to the eternal life just as easily. But the purpose of all this stuff, the reason we started the foundation was so that we would always bring hope to the world and always be bringing salvation to others and always be talking about Jesus, not get caught up in the polemics, not get caught up in the other things, just keep us all focused on Jesus. And so, but that's gotta be something that we do. And so the people you who watch here are supposed to hopefully, if you join us, you become an ambassador of hope And an ambassador of hope is someone who does not push the reason for our hope foundation. The hell with the reason for our hope foundation. Sorry, Mo and everybody else. But I don't care about the foundation. I've talked about it a million times. If it ends today, it ends. The foundation exists for Jesus Christ to bring people to Jesus, not so we can keep putting out materials and everything else. Who cares? what we all need to care about is bringing people to jesus so if you're an ambassador of hope you want to bring people to christ jesus huh the um that's just got to be what we're about and so if you're an ambassador with us you are not focusing on the past you're not uh Uh, fighting with people you are one who is based on the person of jesus you have great faith in jesus and you have great hope in the future because jesus christ can be trusted and you know that and you bring that hope to other people huh it's so much more than just another organization or just another you know there's so many people out there that do things today and they all do different things but we all gotta be bringing people to Christ, to give them hope. Not just a hope I don't go to hell, but the assurance that because of what Jesus did for me, I will live forever. And isn't that where our hope gotta be first? That, you know, like today, if you went to the, if you went to mass, or if you watched mass this morning with me, or if you looked at my uh, tweet, and someone called me. There you go, and gave me a voicemail. Isn't that nice? But if you looked at my tweet today, the uh, and if you listen to my homily today, it comes from you know my morning tweets are always based on the scriptures of the day. So the day we spoke focused on um, Isaiah, and it says, though the mountains leave their place and the hills be shaken, my love shall never. My love for you, my covenant shall never be shaken, says the Lord. My love will never leave you, nor my covenant of peace be shaken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. And then the question was, do I really believe that God will never stop loving me? That's hope. Again, as I've talked about many times, I do not... um, I do not just look at the, uh, at the past or what Jesus did for me. But what Jesus did when he died on the cross for me is he gave me hope of eternal life. And so if I have hope of eternal life, I have hope in eternal life. Can I mess it up? Yes, because I have free will. But I have this hope in what Jesus did for me. Like again, when I talk about missions and different things and I get up there, I say, I'm not a person who's always afraid of going to hell. I have no fear of going to hell. Do I deserve hell? Of course I do. But Jesus paid the penalty for me. And If I'm just seeking his will and I'm trying with all my heart to live his will, I don't have to be worried about hell. Now, doesn't that almost seem heretical? because we have constantly focused on ourselves and focus on, oh, I just hope I can get to heaven one day. It's like I'm hoping it doesn't rain tomorrow. Hope is the assurance that you will live with Jesus forever in heaven, not because of you, but because of him. Hope is we tell the world what Christ has done for us, not what we have done for Christ. Isn't that just the way things have to change in our hearts and our lives that we bring this hope to others? Now again, it's not presumption. It's hope. Big difference. Presumption is it doesn't matter. Uh Uh-uh. It does matter because I still have free will. I can look at God and curse him and die and go to hell. But if I'm focused on him and what he did for me, I don't have to worry right? And so just here for today as we focus this Advent and we focus on the theological virtue of hope, let's keep our eyes towards Jesus, focused on Jesus, knowing that he can be trusted, knowing that he will never stop loving me, knowing in the faith that he died for my sins So I have the hope that I will live forever with him. It's not something on me, presumption. It's something on him, hope. So be a person of hope and bring that hope to others. You got it? You get it? Are you going to do it? May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen. Okay, so let's go here now and go into some questions here. Uh, Again, when I do anything like this, it's a very short treatise on hope, for goodness sakes. There's so much more that we could go and and do about it. But um, right now, this is what we're going to do. I hope there's nothing. uh, Who cares about the people reaching out to me? you are going to drive me crazy on, um, nice, nah, so don't, uh, get in the midst of all these things. Okay, so, what we're going to do, I don't know why this keeps going on here. Let's stop that. Okay. <laughs> so, we'll go here now to the questions, and so that's what I got here, is some questions, and, We'll go online first and we'll go on to the internet. Oh, there's a lot of questions here today. Bruce, hi, good Thursday afternoon. Bruce, to you too. Harry, good evening. Hi, Harry in France. Uh, this is a new one here. Welcome. Well, the first I've seen you anyway. Braley Parkinson. Happy to every Thursday, everyone. Harry, here in as France. It's a chilly evening. Chilly. You should be here it's so cold and windy and uh they, the wind took our thing down our uh, christmas wreath and blew it across the street and then also it blew open the door and broke the door to the <laughs> our courtyard where my dog uh, does his business so it was like oh my gosh it's been very cold very rainy and very chilly here uh freezing here hi hello cameron it's cold and snowy afternoon here in Nebraska, I can imagine. Whoa, always uh, cold in Nebraska. I was at Omaha. I was at Creighton for a semester uh, in the summer many years ago, and I had a fine time. I've been to Omaha many times, and um, uh, I've, been, I've spoken at the uh, radio station there. They used to have me on a lot when I was on with EWTN, but I love uh, Omaha and uh, Lincoln. I've been to all those places. I love uh, the whole thing. Our weather forecast has been threatening a light dusting of snow, but we've had none. Well, it's Christmas, you know. We've been in France. Sunshine. Good afternoon. It's icy here in the North United States. You got that right. Guard your privacy. Hi, Father. Keep police, please, please pray for my family. God love you. Okay. Uh, but again, just focus on God. Don't worry. Don't stay focused on all the situations around you. Stay focused on Jesus. And God can take great care of you. Um, No, I haven't heard Father Tony uh, passed away, but it's great he can be now in the presence of God forever. Absolutely. Blessings, good afternoon, good afternoon. Is it always a mortal sin to distraction? What if you need to say negative about something in order to warn them about possible spiritual issues that could be harmful for them? Distraction is to talk about somebody, an unkind truth. So if you're talking to somebody, that would not be a sin of detraction. I mean, um, I challenge people constantly. All you have to do is listen to me for five minutes and you know that's what I'm always uh, doing. Uh, and it's, uh, a detraction can be morally sinful if you're trying to hurt um, the uh, reputation of somebody. You know, the catechism talks about to uh, everyone has a right to a good reputation and if you're going to try to destroy that reputation that's mortally sinful uh and again people do it to me like constantly all the time in god's name but they don't even and they can't go into mortal sin because they don't know um that it's a mortal sin you can't tell someone they're in mortal sin all you can talk about objectively so objectively uh, detraction would be a mortal sin if It's serious matter, meaning they're trying to destroy someone's relationship. Two, um, you know it's serious. Father told you. Not only I, the church told you, the catechism told you. And three, you decide, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Now you've separated yourself. So we can talk about detraction as a serious sin, but we can't tell someone they're in mortal sin because we don't know. I hope that helps. Okay. Chris Rocker, before chapter six, Romans six and seven can be hopeful when Paul talks about, oh yeah, Romans is filled with hope. Praying for your all priests, God love you. Thank you to have hope. Do not be afraid. Been told that it is found 365 times is fact that correct. Um, I taught that for the first 10 years of my priesthood because I was told that, but that's not true. <laughs> you know, and there's nothing worse than after you have things. I there's I've seen t shirts, it says, uh, Father Larry Richard says, it says uh, 365 times do not be afraid. And I just cringe because uh, I've tried to write that. It's, because do not be afraid is said so many times Um it doesn't break up to just that way i mean you can all look it up right now go into google and say does it say 365 times in the bible do not be afraid and you're gonna find out all kinds of stuff and hopefully you won't find a quotation for me because i have uh, uh oh 20 years ago said when i found out that that wasn't true i i dealt with it so i don't know what's going on here we are frozen here on my little app. I don't know, but I'm on the, the other app. It's just, uh, uh, here we go. Now we're back to live. Okay. So, cold now. Wait till Christmas weekend. I know. Okay. We got to go back here because I got lost. No, hope giggles. There you go. That's a nice name. No, don't be a Lala. Be exactly who you are. Don't worry. Harry, 93. Well, maybe the oldest living person is a nine hundred and seventeen living in France. It's because she's a nun. Lens live forever. Um, I don't care whenever the Lord uh, calls me. Um, but again, I just want to make sure that we keep uh, pushing Christ and we keep bringing people to Christ. Um, that is the purpose of what we do, what we do. Not perfectly, but we do what we do for this. Monday, we had a teaching mass. Our pastor mentioned he takes a watch off before mass and remembers he is going a timelessness to heaven. Somehow, I don't see you ever doing that. <laughs> You're right. Uh, primarily, because I always time my homilies. Uh, primarily, of uh, because I think that, you know, something as simple as a holy day. Holy days in Europe are also holidays, so people get off. People in America and most of the rest of the world don't have that day off. So we have to get them in and out without getting them into trouble. And it's uh, so some people say, well, you're cheapening the mass. Please excuse me, not even close. As long as you're focusing on Jesus. You know, once I had an assistant and I something was happening during the gospel and I went and grabbed and he says, you're supposed to be focused on the gospel now, not that. Well, thank you you got to be focused on Jesus, not just the reading the gospel. And I can be focused on Jesus uh, no matter what I'm doing. But we should be focused on the gospel, but something else had happened. But anyway, so we can sit there and go crazy over all these things, or we can just stay focused. Uh, and uh, You're not supposed to have teaching masses. I've done it, but uh, Rome doesn't like it, just so you know. How do I share the hope with others? This hope of that is my wife suffers from bad anxiety and I want to share uh, is buried in her fears. The best way to share hope is invite people into an intimacy with Jesus. Huh? I think once someone finds, and again, to me, the way that's been working uh, is through the, uh, the, the video or the videos of The Chosen. Because it helps people to meet Jesus as a real person. Now, the chosen, of course, is not full scripture. There's more things there. Um, Again, some of the apologetics uh, people are going crazy. Well, it's not scriptural. Well, it is scriptural, but it's not all based on scripture. But there isn't a, uh, you know, one of my favorite movies on Jesus is King of Kings. I watch it every um, um, Easter but it's scriptural, but there's a lot in there not scriptural. So there was only one thing, I think it was Matthew's gospel, that they did a whole movie on Jesus just with the words of one gospel. But that's why we have four gospels. One gospel cannot contain everything. And we see uh, later on, John said, if we couldn't put all the words of Jesus in a book. So but if it helps us to come to know Jesus as, as real. Now, myself, I've only watched maybe uh, four or five episodes of all three seasons because it's too, um, for me, it, it's too emotional. It makes Jesus uh, so much more real. And, um, but again, but I also every morning when I'm doing my holy hour and I can just be there with Jesus the thing I always find difference is like with my holy hour there's Jesus in the monstrance or Jesus in the tabernacle but when you can see him and see him as a person and laughing or like when I when I talked to people a couple weeks ago on advent I talked to the women and I says think about the saints going to the bathroom think about Jesus Christ going to the bathroom right And people go, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. He's sitting like this and he's holding up. Please, Jesus went to the bathroom. Jesus suffered, he cried, and he died. He was like us in all things but sin. And sometimes we don't want to go there. But if we go there, we can always sit there and know that he struggled with us. When we go to the Gethsemane, we Jesus struggling, and yet he keeps combating, struggling with faith lord father i don't want to do this but your will be done i don't want to do this but your will be done i don't want to do this but your will be done so if we enter into the intimacy invite people into the intimacy with god god will then chastise them when they need chastised god will then give them hope because it's a it's a gift too all those things faith is a gift and so they can pray for that but leading everyone into an intimate relationship with Jesus is the first thing. And that's why, again, with the scriptures, to really get some scriptures on hope or get some scriptures on love and have them really focus on those words. Again, St. Augustine, whole life was changed when he came to that thing that says, no longer shall you live in lust but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and have no provisions for the desires of the flesh and everything changed because the word of God has power to reach into someone's heart and bring peace and bring healing. Again, years ago when I was at St. Luke's, which is at least 25 years ago, I was having a bad anxious day and just I was so distracted and crazy with everything going on And uh, about one o'clock in the morning, couldn't sleep, and I ran downstairs. I didn't run downstairs make it sound so dramatic. I went downstairs into the church, and I just laid in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and completely surrendered. And I just said, Lord, I'm a mess. And as I just said, Lord, I'm a mess, I had my Bible with me, and I opened up the Word. And again, when I tell people to do this, they never listen to me, and they just are missing so much grace. But open up the word, and it says, "Let not your hearts be troubled. Have faith in God. Have faith in me." Instantly, I had peace, because the word of God has the power to reach into your heart and your soul and switch it and make it powerful uh, make it. Uh, it's almost like a switch. It was like a switch for me that night. I could. I was like, "Oh, messed up," and then I went to bed so peaceful because God, I had an encounter with God in his word. And so again, for like your wife and that, give some, put in the Google um, scriptures that help with anxiety and give her these scriptures for her to meditate on. So when she's getting anxious to claim these scriptures, great things can happen, huh? I, I can't tell anybody, everybody here, you gotta spend time in the word, gotta spend time in the word, you gotta spend time with the word, okay. Go to some of the letters here now. In your opinion, what is the main obstacle to hope? And I'm talking about both personally and within the society, a church. My mom says it's a lack of trust in God, yes. Fear, lack of courage, yes. A lack of firm a resolution, yes. And a lack of prayer. I suspect you have completely different answers. Not really. But I think that whenever we focus on ourselves on the situation, those are the main obstacles of hope. If we focus on the past main obstacle of hope, We need to be focused on the future in Jesus, and then hope and stay focused on that, and that's where we will find our hope. What are the two main obstacles, and I think that's for the church and everything else, Uh, because again, when people are fighting on the internet over stupid things, or over you know who's more Catholic, and whether you say Mass this way, and I say Mass this way, and I love this, and I don't like you, and none of them are focused on Jesus. And whenever we lose sight of Jesus and don't stay focused on Jesus, we lose hope. Okay, there was a question from last week. Oh, I think, yeah, this is the, uh, I read your book on surrender. Yeah, I, I, I touched this in the end, but, uh, but I didn't really deal with it. I also make an act of surrender every morning and every night. I ask God to make me a prism of his love. Very good. I went to ask you to consider addressing abuse in marriage in a podcast. I also wrote to Sister Miriam, asked the same thing. A few background decal, details. I'm a cradle Catholic, and I've been married for 16 years. There have been physical and emotional abuse throughout our marriage of both the boys and me. After years of discernment, therapy, three rounds of marriage counseling, and even retrovi, I finally made a decision to save my children's future marriages and also their lives, I would hope, making it harder in my heart. Uh, after a lo- long, gruesome, and very hard uh, to children. One thing that is a future, uh, my children's future marriage is by ending my marriage, which was unhealthy and abusive. I'm in the midst of the divorce process and it has been awful, long, grueling, and very hard on our children. One thing is really making it harder in my heart is the intense feeling of being a Catholic failure. I'm on the fence about staying Catholic because it's just is so ingrained in me to never divorce. <laughs> We don't want to give up the faith because to give up Jesus would be worse than the Eucharist. Just trust me. I don't feel comfortable going to priests or talking about this to a person because I'm so ashamed of the future of my life. Listen, if you're doing God's will, you have nothing to be afraid of. And God does not want you to be abused and your children to be abused physically and psychologically. I don't care what anybody says. Do you understand that? If you're doing God's will and God's will is about life and all that stuff, marriage is about two people who love each other and put people and build them up. This craziness, I have to stay married no matter what. No, you don't. Do you understand that? You don't have to stay in an abusive marriage. You can still receive the sacraments, everything. You just can't get remarried. If and once you get divorced, then you can work on an annulment. And an annulment does not say that the marriage never happened. It says the sacrament of marriage never happened. Why? And it goes through all these reasons. But it is not God's will for you to be abused by a husband or a wife. And I promise you, It's not God's will to let you watch your children be abused. You know, again, I've talked about before my mother, God rest her. My father was a, he was a good man, but he was a drunk. And he'd get very angry. We all have anger issues in my family, as everyone knows by now. But my father never touched my mother because once when he got uh, really crazy and angry and he was about to do something, my mother looked at him and said, if you ever touch me, I will kill you while you sleep. (laughs) Now, I'm not telling you to do that, but did she mean it? Yes, my mother meant it. Now, they got divorced, and that was the best thing that ever happened to any of us kids, to listen to them fight every night, to see my father come home drunk and throw things that I had spent uh, months on across the room just because he was drunk. That affected me. It's affected my priesthood. It's affected my personality. It's the part of the reason I am what I am. I am damaged. And that was because my parents didn't separate earlier. They should have separated earlier. Because my father, again, he drank so much and so did his father. Huh? And again, I don't like to talk bad about my dad. He was my dad. He did the best he could. His father was a street uh, bum. I don't want to talk bad about my grandfather either. There's a history of brokenness. And God can heal the brokenness. But we sure as heck don't have to play this theological game and allow people to continue to hurt us. People didn't say things against priests when they were abusing kids. Or they were abused because that was father. And we don't talk against father. Garbage. You talk against father if he's hurting somebody or you. Don't let people hang behind the theological thing. I'm a priest. Oh, shut up, Father. If you're hurting somebody, you need punished. Is there mercy? Of course there's mercy. But are we going to continue to let you do that? Of course not. And the same reality with families. You don't let people, and it's not just men who abuse. I know women can be very abusive. But again, so don't blame God. Don't blame the church. We're telling people, A divorce is not an option when two people are fully married and they've given themselves. But again, I have done marriages for 33 years and most of the people I've married, I think, and this is a hard thing to say, uh, don't know what's going on. Don't know the marriage commitment. Don't know it's together for life. Don't don't have the maturity to make a decision like that. So again, after you get divorced, you give it to the church. You let the church make a decision whether you get an annulment or not. So we're gonna walk with you through this. Don't be afraid to go to a priest. Don't be afraid to come to church. You need the sacraments now more than ever. And as you receive Jesus, you can receive healing. But one thing I gotta tell you to find healing is not to stay with the person who's abused you, but to forgive the person who's abused you. Two entirely different things. Because if you don't forgive the person who has abused you and your children, You stay a victim for the rest of your life. Once you forgive them, you are no longer a victim. You don't have to go and say everything's okay. But for your sake, you have to forgive them. Because Christ commands it. While Christ was on the cross being crucified, he chose it, that Father forgive them. And then he commands us to love the same way. And if you don't forgive somebody... Non-forgiveness is like a cancer that eats you alive from the inside. So you must forgive them. It doesn't mean you have to stay with them. Okay? So just to let you know there, I'm sorry I get a little uh, crazy because, you know, for people to get hurt like that and to say the church is, um, you know, I can't deal with it because the church tell me I can't get divorced. The church is, uh, if you're truly married, but I wouldn't say you're married if you have someone that's uh, hurting you okay light of the world ever meet warren buffett no Omaha. i never met warren buffett that'd be good thanks father larry for your ministry to bring hope for humanity we miss you in omaha father there you go tell them to invite me back they haven't invited me back those pagans if the jewish people had accepted jesus as the messiah would we have been jewish instead um We are still part Jewish, because Jesus was Jewish. A Christian is one who's another Christ. A Christian is one who follows Christ. And so we would always be ones who follow, follow Jesus. Okay, did John the Baptist lose faith when he sent two of his disciples to ask, are you the one who's come, or should we look for another? It doesn't seem possible after being sent by God. Can he question? Of course he could, you know. and John the Baptist does that. Is he the one, and then he just needs reassured. There are days I need reassured, faith and all, hope and all, because uh, the, the devil can bring um, temptation to us. And was he being tempted? You know, like I talk about uh, last Sunday, if you listen to the homily, you know, Jesus said, nobody born, nobody born of woman is greater than John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom is greater than the Baptist. Why? Because we have Jesus living inside of us. John never had that. So he could have been tempted. And so he could have reached out and said to his followers, are you the one who is to come? Because remember, he was his cousin. Remember, he jumped in the womb. But there's still, um, in our struggles, in our humanity, there's still doubt. And you don't run from doubt. You deal with it. And that can bring your, increase your faith and can increase your hope. By dealing with your doubt, not just running from it. Um, and when I'm having doubts, you know, everything I've believed in the faith and I have the greatest belief in now, I first doubted. I'll never forget, I doubted, uh, I've talked, talked about this before, but I doubted that Christ was the Son of God, or was God. I remember talking to Father McCullough and I brought it up, and I was kind of, a, I was a young seminarian, I was still in high school, and I says, uh, Mac, uh, and that's why you need someone you can trust that uh, they're not going to look at you like, oh, you just believe. I sat there and I said, I believe Jesus is the son of God, but I can't believe he's God. I just don't get that, Pete. I mean, uh, Mac. And he, then we're driving somewhere and he just said, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Oh, <laughs> again, the word of God came, spoke to my heart. Bam, that doubt has been gone ever since that very day. Um, I didn't believe in the real presence of Jesus in the most blessed sacrament. Um, I just didn't because I couldn't see how that happened. And then I came after spending time in his presence, my greatest devotion is to Jesus in the most blessed sacrament. So don't be afraid of doubt. And for John to have a doubt and uh, him to have that confirmed is okay because you're not just saying, "Oh, I believe and in your heart you're not. You're dealing with it. And I think that's good and it's important. Okay. Did John the Baptist know God's plan? I thought I did. He had said he must increase. Of course he did. But again, just like I say, it's part of the doubt. Heard on DWTN there. My favorite quote, no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed, Father Larry. Good. Don't just have a favorite quote, but live it. I uh, enjoy, uh, heard a crazy cur- uh, uh, craze currently in some churches to ask to be debaptized. Seriously, this can't happen. Have you ever, I've, I've not seen it, but some people have learned to hate the church and I can't blame people who hate the church with some of the things that we have done. And then we just, we, we hide behind faith. And that's just, again, I think, uh, to be a follower of Jesus means that we be real and we deal with the, the problems in the church. We just deal with them and don't just say, have faith. Oh, come on, that's what's got us in most of our troubles. Um, I enjoy listening to you Mondays and Fridays. I can imagine you get up early enough. I listen to Sacred Heart Radio in Cincinnati from four to five. All that is my old stuff. So some of that stuff is very, 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 very old. Way before Trump was uh, made... Uh, Uh, the president so even if I say stuff but all that's pre-recorded stuff Chris it's not an actual mass if Rome says that I'm guessing that he didn't make it an actual mass I looked at be not afraid in the Bible it looks like it's in between 100 and 150 times there you go I wish we had more statues of Saint smile and me too why are the angels that are recorded in scripture predominantly male names like Michael Gabriel and Raphael because angels are pure spirit and do not have a bodily form like humans I don't know but again a God the father who is not a spirit who is only spirit he has no body he isn't either male or female we still call him father because that's part of revelation so uh, I would think it's part of revelation why I have no idea okay so it seems to me statues are so stern yeah why would I be Catholic exactly I honestly bet St. Stephen was smiling when he died and he was looking at the face of Jesus. Correct, correct, Chris. Most of your statues are peaceful, serene. Most of our statues are peaceful, serene, calm. Yeah, most of ours are too. Can a Catholic attend a non-Catholic funeral cremation? Of course. You can bring the grace of God to that reality. Uh, How is Joe? Our dog Scout, Joseph says, hi, uh, he is doing fine, even though again he likes Diane more than he likes me. I sat there, and Joe and I had a talk last night. And I said, "Now listen, I know that you would rather be with Diane, but you're stuck with me. We got each other, kid. And so I'm a little harder on you than Diane because Diane's always nice and always nice to him. And da, da 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 da. I am strong on him because I want him to be a good strong dog. But again, uh, he's doing fantastic. I just have to get him to stop jumping on people." When we open the Bible before breakfast and bed, should we always turn to the New Testament? No, we turn to wherever he goes. But you got to pray to the Holy Spirit. Very important. You and I pray to the Holy Spirit. Last question. Hello, Father Larry. I have a question for you. I spent birth until around 17-year-old going to Mass. I am fully textbook indoctrinated into Catholicism. However, I do not practice and have taken the agnostic path many years ago. I have come to Catholic Mass several times in the past year with my friend who is very devoted. The language and gestures are very different from what I recall. I also attended Catholic school from baby to adult. Did the verbiage, gestures, and procedures change? Yes, Michelle, by God's grace. Um, but even be an agnostic, that's a great place to be because an agnostic is just questioning. Questioning. Don't ever be afraid of questioning. Don't get caught up into the pomp and circumstances, the words, the gestures. Focus on the person of Jesus, Michelle. You know, go to Jesus and say, Jesus, if you're real, I want to know you. And if you can enter into this intimacy with Jesus, then you're no longer someone who doubts because then you know by faith, which is a gift, and by hope. And so, but too often we get caught up, or you know, people stop having faith because of the bad priests or stop having faith because of the bishops or everything else. Focus on Jesus. And then you'll know. Trust me. If don't trust me, forget that. Trust Jesus. Okay? Here we go. I gotta go. Have been dinner with the bishop. And so, uh, again, know that I'm praying for you, that I love you. Please pray for me. Please pray that I stay faithful to Jesus, that I never speak any kind of uh, heresy or anything like that. Um, If ever I say something wrong, I repent. Of course, I only want to speak the word of God. I want to bring everyone to the knowledge of Jesus so we can all live forever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week, the 22nd, God willing.